Once upon a time, on a Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew. Bah! Humbug! Christmas a humbug, Uncle? You don't mean that, I'm sure. I do! Out upon Merry Christmas. If I had my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding, he should. Uncle! Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it, but you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do you. Much good it has ever done you. I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. Kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. Good afternoon. I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last, so a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. His nephew left the room without an angry word, but the clerk, in letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let two other people in. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute, who suffer greatly at the present time. A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the prisons and the workhouses. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it. The hour of shutting up the counting house arrived. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern and went home to bed. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door of this house, except that it was very large. And yet Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, not a knocker, but Marley's face. Marley's face with a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. As Scrooge looked at this, it was a knocker again, and he said, Poo-poo. And closed the door with a bang. The sound resounded through the house like thunder. Every room above and every cask in the wine merchant's cellar below appeared to have a separate peal of echoes of its own. Scrooge was not a man to be frightened by echoes. He fastened the door and walked across the hall and up the stairs. Up Scrooge went, not carrying a button for its being very dark. Darkness is cheap. Scrooge liked it. Quite satisfied, he closed the door and locked himself in, double locked himself in, which was not his custom. Thus secured against surprise, he put on his own dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap, and he sat down before the very low fire to take his gruel. As he threw his head back in the chair, his glance happened upon a bell, a disused bell, that hung in the room. It was with great astonishment and with strange dread that, as he looked, saw this bell began to swing. Soon, it rang out loudly, and so did every bell in the house. This was succeeded by a clanking noise deep down below, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain over the cask in the wine merchant's cellar. Then he heard the noise much louder on the floors below, then coming up the stairs, then coming straight towards the door. It came on through the heavy door. 
and a specter passed into the room before his very eyes. And upon its coming in, the dying flame leaped up as though it cried. I know him. Molly's ghost. What do you want with me? Much. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. The ghost sat down on the opposite side of the fireplace, as if he were quite used to it. Don't believe in me? I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. The spirit raised a frightful cry. Mercy, dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? Why do spirits walk the earth, and why do they come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. I cannot rest, I cannot stay, I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. Mark me! In life, my spirit never roved beyond our money changing hold. And weary journeys lie before me. Scrooge was very dismayed to hear the specter going on at this rate. Began to quake exceedingly. I'm here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first tomorrow night when the bell tolls one. Expect the second on the next night at the same hour. The third upon the next night. When the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate, look to see me no more. Scrooge tried to say humbug, but stopped at the first syllable. And being from the emotion he had undergone or the fatigues of the day, or his glimpse of the invisible world, or the conversation of a ghost, or the lateness of the hour, he went straight to bed without undressing and fell asleep on the instant. When Scrooge awoke, the church clock tolled a deep, dull, hollow, melancholy one. Light flashed from the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a strange figure, like a child. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall stood in the busy thoroughfares of a city. It was made plain enough by the dressing of the shops that here, too, it was Christmas time. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse store and asked Scrooge if he knew it. I know it. I apprenticed here. At sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig sitting behind such a high desk that if he had been two inches taller, 
he might have knocked his head against the ceiling. Scrooge cried in great excitement. Why, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart. It's Fezziwig alive again. Yo-ho there, Ebenezer, Richard. A living and moving picture of Scrooge's former self, a young man, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow Prentice. Yo-ho, my boys. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Richard. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up before a man can say Jack Robinson. Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room here. Clear away. There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away or couldn't have cleared away. With old Fezziwig looking on, it was done in a minute. The warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright as a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a winter's night. In came a fiddler with a music book and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it and tuned it like 50 stomach aches. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast smile. In came three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. And they all came one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. And they all came, anyhow and everyhow. Away they all went, twenty couple at once. Hands half around and back again, the other way, down the middle and up again, round and round. Old top couple always turning up the wrong place. When the clock struck 11, this ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig, shaking hands with every person as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. He is fit but a few pounds of your money. Three or four, perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? It isn't that, Spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service a pleasure or a toil. Say that his power lies in words and looks and things impossible to add and count him up. What then? The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it costs a fortune. Spirit, remove me from this place. Haunt me no longer. As he struggled with the spirit, he was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness and further of being in his own bedroom. He had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. Scrooge awoke in his bedroom. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. The leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light, and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney, headed up the floor to form a kind of throne where turkeys, geese, great joints of meat, pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, great bowls of punch, and immense twelfth cakes. Upon this couch there sat a giant glorious to see who bore a glowing torch. Come in, come in, and know me better, man. 
I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You have never seen the like of me before. Touch my robe. Scrooge did as he was told and held it fast. The room and its contents all vanished instantly. And they stood in the city streets upon a snowy Christmas morning. Scrooge and the ghost passed on, invisible straight to Scrooge's clerks. And on the threshold of the door, the spirit smiled and stopped to bless Bob Cratchit's dwelling with the sprinklings of his torch. Then up rose Mrs. Cratchit. What has ever got of your precious father then? And your brother, Tiny Tim? No, no, no there's father coming, cried the two young Cratchits, who were everywhere at once. In came Bob, the father, his threadbare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable, and Tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Alas for Tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch and had his limbs supported by an iron frame. And how did the little Tim behave? As good as gold and better. Somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made the lame beggars walk and blind men see. Master Peter and the two young Cratchits went to fetch the goose, with which they soon returned in high procession. Mrs. Cratchit made the gravy, ready beforehand in a little saucepan, hissing hot. Master Peter mashed the potatoes with incredible vigor. Miss Belinda sweetened up the applesauce. Martha dusted the hot plates. Bob took Tiny Tim beside him in a tiny corner at the table. The two young Cratchits set chairs for everybody, not forgetting themselves, and crammed spoons into their mouths, lest they should shriek for goose before their turn came to be helped. At last the dishes were set on, and grace was said. It was succeeded by a breathless pause, as Mrs. Cratchit, looking slowly all along the carving knife, prepared to plunge it in the breast. But when she did, and when the long-expected gush of stuffing issued forth, one murmur of delight arose all around the board. Oh. Even Tiny Tim, excited by the two young Cratchits, beat on the table with the handle of his knife, feebly cried. But now, the plates being changed by Miss Belinda, Mrs. Cratchit left the room alone to take the pudding up and bring it in. Mrs. Cratchit entered, smiling proudly, with the pudding like a speckled cannonball, so hard and firm, blazing in a half of half of a quarter of ignited brandy and bedight with Christmas holly stuck into the top. Ooh, a wonderful pudding! At last the dinner was all done. The cloth was cleared, the hearth swept, and the fire made up. Then all the Cratchit family drew round the hearth while the chestnuts on the fire sputtered and crackled moistly. They were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. And when they faded and looked happier yet in the bright sprinklings of the spirit's torch at parting, Scrooge had his eyes upon them, especially on Tiny Tim, until the very last. But the whole scene passed off, and he and the spirit were again upon their travels, much they saw and far they went, and many homes they visited, but always with a happy end. Suddenly, as they stood together in an open place, the bell struck. Well.
Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it no more. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley and lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, great and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. Will you not speak to me? It gave him no reply. The hand was pointed straight before them. Lead on, lead on. The night is waning fast, and it is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, spirit. They scarcely seemed to enter the city. The city rather seemed to spring up about them. But there they were in the heart of it, amongst the merchants. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. Observing that the hand was pointed to them, Scrooge advanced to listen to them talk. I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. Well, when did he die? Last night, I believe. What has he done with his money? I haven't heard. Company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know. The scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bare, uncurtained bed. A pale light rising in the outer air fell straight upon his bed, and on it, unwashed, unwept, uncared for, was the body of this unknown man. Spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with the death, or this dark chamber spirit will forever be present to me. The ghost conducted him to poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire. Quiet, very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits was still as statues in one corner, and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mother and her daughters were engaged in needlework, but surely they were very quiet. The mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face. The color hurts my eyes. They're better now again. It makes them weak by candlelight. And I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time. Past it, rather. But I think he has walked a little slower than he used to these last few evenings, Mother. I have known him to walk with. I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Very fast indeed. But he was very light to carry. And his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble. And there is your father at the door. She hurried out to meet him, and Bob came in. His tea was ready for him, and they all tried who should help him to it most. Then the two young Cratchits got up on his knees and laid each child a little cheek against his face as if they said, don't mind your father, don't be grieved. Bob was very cheerful with them and he spoke pleasantly to all the family. He looked at the work up on the table and praised Mrs. Cratchit and the girls. You went today then, Robert? Yes, my dear, I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is, but you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little, little child. My little child. Oh, Spectre, something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me what man that was with the covered face whom we saw lying dead. The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him to a dismal, wretched, ruinous churchyard. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Rouge crept towards it trembling as he went, and followed the finger read right upon the stone of the neglected grave with his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Am, am I that man who lay upon the bed? 
No, spirit. Oh, no, no, spirit. Hear me. I am not that man I was. I will not be the man I must have been. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Assure me that I yet may change these shadows that you have shown me by an altered life. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. Oh, tell me, may I sponge away the writing on this stone? Holding up his hands in one last prayer to have his fate reversed, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. He shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. Yes, and the bedpost was his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his very own to make amends in. He was checked in his transports by the church's ring out the lustiest peals he had ever heard. Running to the window, he opened it and put out his head. There was no fog, no mist, no night. Clear, bright, stirring, golden day. What's today? cried Scrooge, calling downward to a boy in Sunday clothes. Eh? What's today, my fine fellow? Today? Why Christmas Day? It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello? Do you know the poulterers? In the next street, but one at the corner. I sure hope I did. An intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Do you know whether they've sold that prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey. The big one. What? The one as big as me? What a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to him. Yes, my buck. It's hanging there now. Is it? Go and buy it. Walker. No, no. I am in earnest. Go and buy it and tell him to bring it here. That I may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes. I'll give you a half a crown. The boy was off like a shot. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. He shan't know who sends it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. Scrooge dressed himself all in his best and at last got into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth as he had seen them with the ghost of Christmas present. And walking with his hands behind him, Scrooge regarded everyone with a delightful smile. He looked so irresistibly pleasant in a word that three of four good-humored fellows said, Good morning, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. It was early at the office next morning. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. Bob was full 18 minutes and a half behind his time. Bob's hat was off before he opened the door. He was on the stool in the jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake nine o'clock. Hello? What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. You are? Yes, I think you are. Step this way, if you please. Now, I'll tell you what, my friend. I am not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. Therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. Bob trembled. A Merry Christmas, Bob. A Merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good as a friend, as good a master, and as good as a man as a good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but his own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. 
May that truly be said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. and the happy new year <laughs> okay I wish all the wonderful people of America a Merry Christmas and a happy new year and your ma- your major Christmas present which has tremendous numbers by the way tremendous numbers <laughs> is my massive wall that will be paid for 
by the Mexicans. I promise you, it will be paid for. But your Christmas present is the wall. Merry Christmas, <laughs> we're wonderful, wonderful Americans. I have tremendous numbers, by the way. Tremendous <laughs> numbers. I don't know what we're going to do here. It's normal. Oh, I was just trying to add. He's listening to me. Read the first line, but just add some acting to it. Be like, once upon a time. Once upon a time. You could you could do. I don't think I can do it. Okay, you could. Younger voice. We wanted you to do the nephew. He's he's talking. You could do a deeper British voice like this. You could you could go a deeper British voice like this, or you can go for a higher British voice with a little lower. Yes, actually. I don't know why, but I don't know why. You 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 can sound a little bit more like Milo Yiannopoulos, or you can do a little bit. But you still have the same exact accent. <laughs> now do, do the Irish, the one that the difference with the Irish, deep Irish voice. Oh, the Irish. <laughs> Once upon a time, upon a Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. <laughs> <laughs> it was the voice of Scrooge's nephew. <laughs> his nephew left the room without any angry word, but the clerk in letting Scrooge's nephew out had let two other people in. They all sound the same to me. <laughs> I, they're they're <laughs> honestly pretty. They're wow. fat hands. And I, oh, oh, Irish fat, Irish is like, fat man. Once upon a time, upon a Christmas Eve. Yeah. Scrooge Irish is more with a lucky charms. <laughs> and, then, and then Scottish is, once upon a time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about like it either that. way. I only know he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did he die? Last <laughs> night, I believe I don't know. I haven't heard like company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know. <laughs> that's, that's your part. That is your part. Right there. Is that the monster's chin guy? Yeah, that's the okay. monster's chin. Yeah, perfect. You want me to be aggressive like that? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's when he's looking over his grave, so whenever <laughs> a little bit more. This is the stuff when you all saw him with it, you know, a little bit more respectful, but. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about it. Is your partner, Jacob Marley? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting a head scroll. Oh, my goodness. I love chocolate. <laughs> chocolate? Mercy. Dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? Why do spirits walk the earth? And why do they come to me? I don't want them unless they bring me sweet chocolate. <laughs> And now we have Vasily from Russia. How are you today? That's <laughs> Kidman in Russia today. At our latest event of VBS, every kid got a pint of vodka. Yeah, you... <laughs> That's probably true. Old King Julian, oh yes. Oh, oh yes, the ghosts are down. Mort, what did I tell you about the feet? Stop touching my feet. <laughs> I am the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> See, that would be good. That would be good for a good character oh bit. God. You can just do all the parts. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to go. Okay. I told Travis to whack a guy on <laughs> Fifth Street. He didn't listen to me. I told him I told him if he didn't whack him, he wasn't getting Bruno's tonight, okay? <laughs> Bruno's is great pizza. Great pizza. <laughs> oh, we can make him Donald Trump, okay? <laughs> What's gonna happen? I know him. Okay, he's Marley's ghost, okay? What we're gonna have Scrooge do is Scrooge is gonna build a massive wall, okay? And we're gonna have tremendous numbers with it. We're gonna have tremendous numbers with Marley's wall, okay? Okay? That's what's gonna happen. 
we could have the narrator be Obama. Uh, 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 Scrooge, uh, very much dismayed to hear the uh, the uh, 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 Michelle, Michelle, uh, my 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 teleprompter is not working. I don't. I've, I've never given a speech without a teleprompter. Uh, let me let me be clear. Okay, stop laughing. Okay, laughing is not allowed in the White House. Okay. This is a serious zone. We're being 100% serial about building my wall, okay? We're going to have tremendous numbers with my wall. <laughs> CNN is fake news about my wall, okay? That's what's going to happen. A Merry Christmas, Bob. So, <laughs> <laughs> you did it. I really did it. All right.